Hello and welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode by my co-host. I do not have anything witty to say. I did not have it in me after this film, but... (laughs) Her name is Whitney. You're right. I still am very excited that I'm joined by Whitney Nelson. (laughs) There's no dialogue for you today. Yeah, there's uh, there's not much good. Uh, all right, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. <laughs> we'll get to it. Let's. I think Whitney. I think our our best bet is to power through this. I think. Yeah. It's just you and I, and we'll find out for very good reason. But let's let's make this happen. <laughs> let's do it. We're gonna we're gonna knock your socks off. <laughs> so just the two of us <laughs> and this movie. Yeah. We're doing it. Just wait. You're not even ready for how much we're going to knock your socks off. You don't have the capacity to even know, really, is, <laughs> is what you're about to find out. Yeah. So up top, as always, I want to mention, you can find the website, coolbreezepod.com. Email us, coolbreezepod at gmail.com, or hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. If you're watching live on Periscope or Twitch, which we have been doing on a pretty consistent basis, which is nice. I think the past seven or eight movies, we've actually streamed live, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you are into that and you want to chime in with your two cents, we'll read your comments aloud. You can be part of the show. It's great. And then finally, if you want to be excellent to us, please share the show with your friends and rate and review us on iTunes to bring more folks our way. It's just Whitney and I, so I will be running us through our synopsis today. Mm-hmm. Today we're talking about the film Exposed. And the plot synopsis for my MDB is... A police detective investigates the truth behind his partner's death. The mysterious case reveals disturbing police corruption and a dangerous secret involving an unlikely young woman. Mm -hmm. This movie was written and directed by Declan Dale, which is a pseudonym for G. Malik Linton. G. has no other theatrical releases to his name as of Hmm. this recording. Curious. (laughs) You know, this is actually a theme that we've seen where Keanu (laughs) works with the first time director and that person never directs a thing again. (laughs) It's, uh, yeah, that would be my recommendation if you're curious about any Keanu movie and you don't want to listen to all of our episodes. See what else the director has done and then make your decision. Because if it's this and nothing else, then you could probably skip it. (laughs) I... That might be a job for the big data machine. I could correlate some some <laughs> think, critic and audience scores to one time. I was going to say, I think yeah. there, there, might, there might be a trend there. Yeah, definitely. But also, we just had Eli Roth, and that was also a garbage fire, so it's not Right. Unfallible. It's not always. Yeah. yeah. It's not always the case, but more often than not. So, co-starring alongside Keanu is Ana de Armas for the second film in a row. Mm-hmm. Then we also have Gabe Vargas, uh, Sandy Tejada, okay, Ariel uh, Ariel Pacheco, mm-hmm. Ismael Cruz Cordova, Anthony mm-hmm. Ruiz, and weirdly enough, uh, Mira Sorvino. Um, where was Mira Sorvino, or is this a different Mira Sorvino? Th- uh, that was the his partner's wife, the blonde. Oh yeah 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 okay yeah 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 yeah. Totally. Totally. Kind of a, How? she was a very convincing New York 
that the yes. whole the her whole she vibe was like was... <laughs> she could not have been more like Staten Island if she tried. <laughs> yeah, she nailed it. Very very outskirts of New York. Yes, very Crushed very much it. so. So let's just let's get right into this. What do what did the critics think of this movie? What did the audiences think of this movie? No one we spoke to, ourselves included, have even heard, heard of, this of this movie. movie. Yeah. So we have an eight percent critical score on Rotten Tomatoes and a sixteen percent audience score on Rotten uh-huh. Tomatoes. Um, we have a critic quote from um, Jeffrey McNabb from the Independent UK who says. What is being released is a baffling hodgepodge of a movie full of contradictory elements. Bits of it seen in isolation are effective and atmospheric, but the plotting is tangled and confused. And I could not agree more. Jeff put it just just really hit the nail on the head and we'll get more into that. But Uh boy, oh boy, is that exactly what this movie is? Plus some other stuff. And then Ed K on Rotten Tomatoes is a user who gave it two out of five stars and says, there's potential here, and I imagine the director's vision of Daughters of God might have actually been good. However, as currently cut, this is mighty poor indeed. (laughs) And then a friend of the show, Zoe P, listener, wrote in... And said, this is a weird one. I'm not sure how to describe it. It's a film of two stories and doesn't feel very cohesive. It feels like the studio decided to beef up Keanu's role or there were some rewrites. Second film on the bounce with Anna de Armas is a co-star. She is the heart of this film and very engaging. I did not enjoy Keanu in this. His cop character seems as fed up with the film as I am. (laughs) This is not the film to help you through isolation as it's way too slow. I lasted about 30 minutes before turning it off. Might put John Wick on again just to get me some happy. <laughs> Zoe. Um, had the yeah. right idea. Yeah. So here's the thing. I Googled this movie after watching it, and I sent to the Cool Breeze group chat uh, the screenshot that I took, which is Google gave it top voted tags like it gave the overview <laughs> cast reviews etc but the top voted tags for this movie are confusing intense dark slow boring disturbing depressing and three more that i did not click care to click <laughs> in to read yeah i think it's more of the same probably just so you get an overview i am going to give a content warning right here and now before we start talking about stuff i am a going to jump into spoilers right away and b there's a lot about ptsd and rape uh yes. that this movie is about and that i am going to talk about so if that's not something that you feel like listening to i recommend skipping this one and also just in general if you don't want to listen to the whole episode but want to know if you should see this movie or not i recommend skipping this one mm. Uh, the the best thing that I can say about this movie is that it's not knock knock. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, we're in for it. Yeah, I'm just gonna kind of jump into it. This is half gritty New York detective, dirty cop sort of story, and half sort of Catholic mystical realism. Both halves could theoretically work independently of each other because there's stuff in each that was compelling. Um, 
the entire movie revolves around rape from the very beginning. You don't even realize at the beginning how much it revolves around rape, but like it comes up a lot and it comes up pretty early and consistently throughout the film. So that's something I think I completely agree with Zoe in that Anna de Armas holds this movie up where in the last movie she drove me nuts. And that was mainly just because of the character that she was playing. She is the only thing that makes this movie watchable, in my opinion. I do not think that Keanu was good in this movie, but I also don't think it was a particularly good role. Um, I have a lot of feelings about the role that Keanu plays. He's a sad guy. His wife died. His partner's crooked and he knows it. He has custody of his kid, which he can't handle so much so that he literally sends him over to his partner's house on weekends. And the second that anything goes down with his partner, he sends the kid off to Florida to live with his grandparents because he just cannot be a father. He's alone. He has no friends. No one in the station really likes him. So he's just generally kind of a fucked up person. But he does not necessarily have any kind of moral compass or drive. We see him as a person who kind of just wants to give up on life, and therefore there's no real, like, the only thing that's driving him in this movie is his partner, who dies early on, he wants to figure out who the killer is. And that's really only because when his wife died, his partner was the only one who was, like, there for him emotionally. Other than that... There's no reason for Keanu to be doing any of the things that he's doing or feeling any of the things that he's feeling. He just kind of wants to cash in his chips and call it a day. So right now, your protagonist on the, on the gritty New York cop side doesn't have any motivation. On the other side, we have beautiful and passionate Anna de Armas, who is very religious and... Um, just every emotion in the book is just written on her face. She's incredibly charming. She's incredibly compelling. Uh, but she's also an unreliable narrator. And her half is where the mystical realism part comes in. There's a sort of an angel at first, it seems like angels, but then it gets to maybe demons and then maybe it's death. And we like, it's the same character, but it's dressed in different colors. It starts Mm -hmm. with an albino man in a business suit who steps off a train platform over the train tracks, but doesn't sink like he walks in the air. And then we see someone in like a very elaborate coat with like sequins and all white and looks like an otherworldly angel. But later on in the middle of the story is dressed all in red. Still has the white face and the dark eyes that the angel had. It is clearly still the angel, but now dressed all in red in sequins. And then at the very end is all in black. Um, she's very devout. And she is engaged to someone who is overseas uh, fighting in armed forces and she's like I can't really talk about this movie and how I feel about it and how the pacing is and how the editing is without cutting right to the chase as far as the ending these two stories do not seem to intersect at all until the very end where we realize that Anna de Armas has been raped she was raped as a child 
and that caused her to black out and not see things as they were and not remember things. So the killer that Keanu Reeves is looking for, for this crooked cop who died, this whole time has been Anna de Armas, who is a victim of multiple rapes. Mm -hmm. I think that the... First of all, I don't understand why there's so much rape. The cop who dies raped three people that we know of in the movie, I think. Um, yeah. And the, and not only did he, like, steal money from drug dealers, I don't even know how that works, but he stole money from drug dealers. Like, as a cop, it's just you take bribes to not turn people in. I don't know what a cop stealing from drug dealers means, but... Anyway, he sodomized people. He uh, sexually assaulted people including our heroine, we find out. And her version of events has completely blocked out this rape and turned it into a miracle. And also then she starts seeing this little girl at the school that she works at or the daycare that she works at who turns out to be herself as a little girl who also was raped by her, I think, stepfather, not dad. Mm -hmm. um, and what apparently what has happened from my take on it is this girl didn't exist in the class until she was raped in the subway by the cop. And that brought up a bunch of older stuff. And then she has this basically invisible friend who is a little girl who is also being abused, who she has to take care of. And that kind of leads through all the, the circumstances. Her fiance dies, whatever. I like the, the, the eyes of God watching her. I like the angel slash demon slash death. I think that so much of that story could have been a whole thing where mm -hmm. her trauma and her PTSD being so religious manifests as this sort of magical realism in the world of telling her what is and is not going on. I think that's incredibly interesting. And I could see a whole movie about that. I don't think any of the cop stuff was necessary all of the cop stuff was boring. All of the cop stuff was unnecessarily violent um, because wrapped up around this crooked cop is, of course, people who sell drugs and people who are like crime kingpins and whatever. And so people start dying left and right around this murder suspect chase, trying to figure out who it is. And in the very end, we find out that He's chasing all the wrong people. It has nothing to do with this, like, drug crime gang. It's all Anna de Armas. Um, but there's so... Everybody is just so void of drive or life, like, at all. The cop's widow, played very well by Mira Savino, but, like... That whole storyline make no sense to me at all because this guy doesn't want anything. He's empty. Keanu Reeves is just an empty guy only doing this because it's the only motivation he has. And then Mira Savino is like, my husband's dead and was kind of an asshole and your wife's been dead for a while and so like, we should do it. And Keanu Reeves is like, I don't want to do that. And then she was like, well, then leave or, you know, whatever. But he doesn't leave. Yeah. 
that whole thing really there was something about that like coercion that she was doing and the way he was trying to respect his partner but also consistently throughout the course of the movie he's trying to respect his partner and everyone's like don't respect that guy he was terrible he was a monster of a human being who raped and sodomized and stole and cheated on his wife and did literally everything in the book that a cop can do to be a shitty person. Yep. And that makes, and his wife knew about it. So that sort of by extension makes her a shitty person because she's complicit in all of the stuff that her husband did. And I don't know, there's a whole red herring sort of a thing with a, his pension, and if they get too far into it and reveal that he's a dirty cop by all of this trying to find his murderer, that she won't get the pension for her and the kids. But she's like, I want my husband's death avenged. and But she's also like, I don't want his name tarnished. And all of that sort of thing never really played in a connected way mm-hmm. for me. I feel like what that that critic from Independent UK said of bits of it seen in isolation are effective and atmospheric. There, there are some very visually gorgeous shots in this movie. I feel like from a technical standpoint, except for editing, from a technical standpoint, this is a very well-made movie. It is... I like the color choices. I like the camera choices. I like the the just everything about how it looks except for the editing. The cuts are like to lace the two storylines together because they're purposefully, you know from the very beginning that these two storylines lace together. But the entire movie, they're trying to be, be like a magician who's like misdirecting you and being like, oh, look over <laughs> yeah. here. They're not connected. Oh, look over here. That's not connected. And the whole time, you know that it's connected. You're like, I understand that these two storylines meet in the middle somewhere. I don't understand why you're trying to tell me it's not. And because of that, it's wildly disjointed. I don't feel like the plot. If you just cut out the plots that were like the gritty New York cop stuff. I don't think it would follow as a story. And if you just yeah. cut out the Anna de Armas plot, I don't think it would cut together as a story. It's, I agree with Zoe in that it feels like something was added in at the end, like more Keanu because maybe John Wick buzz had like amped up his cachet or there were too many rewrites on the film or something. I feel like there was a, a, a missed connection somewhere in the storytelling because I think elements of the gritty New York cop story were interesting. And I think m- most of the Anna de Armas, like Catholicism, mystical realism story were very compelling. I just don't think that they matched up together. And I think even if you separated them as cut, they don't make stories ind- independently of each other. So it makes it even weirder when they come together and you're like, they didn't make sense as their own stories, let alone bringing them together <laughs> as a whole. Um, I think this is one of Keanu's weakest roles, and I think, maybe not weakest roles, but it's definitely up there as far as, like, him not bringing anything to the table, and I don't Mm -hmm. think this is a case of, like, Dracula, where he's tired and not his heart's not in it i think that this character is so underdeveloped that he has nothing to give as far as internal dialogue 
what I've said this whole time is that he's really good at showing you the emotions playing under the surface. Like, he may not be the most energetic and compelling outwardly, you know, outwardly motivated star. He definitely is not like a, you know, he he has an it factor of its own, like of his own, but it's not, when you say it factor of like just being drawn to everything they do on screen, he's not Mm -hmm. that person. What he does well is subtly telling you everything that he's thinking underneath the surface. But this character does not have a good solid motivation for why he's doing anything he's doing. There's not enough set up for him to be devoted to his partner to, like, solve the crime of his partner's murder. There's not enough for him to, like, want to be a better father. There's not enough for him to be, like, super lonely because his wife is dead. Like, all of the things that they touch on in this movie are all potentially great motivations for a character. Yes. Um... And none of them are really fully fleshed out. So I don't necessarily blame Keanu on this one because it really just seems like a lack of inner motivation and a lack of inner dialogue leaves Keanu nothing to play with. Um, I think the fact that it's... So I honestly, I got to say this. I don't know if it's too many days in isolation. I don't know if it's the state <laughs> of the world right now. This movie is not worse than Knock Knock. It is not worse than Ellie Parker. But it seriously emotionally fucked me up more than any of the other movies. And maybe it's just too many bad movies in a row with Keanu. Uh, I was joking Mm -hmm. around earlier. I know a friend of a friend is doing a Keanu rewatch podcast. And I was like, can I recommend that they not do it? And it's not (laughs) because I don't think Keanu is worth it because I think this has been super interesting and fascinating. And I love Keanu even more now than I did before we started doing this. And I loved him when we started doing this because that's why I started doing this. Um, But I feel like it has fate has lined up for the world to be terrible and my mental state to be precarious, and then me to watch two movies in a row that deal with heavy, weird subject matter and tackle it poorly. Right. By the, the end of this movie, I was literally just like, I don't know what to do with the rest of my day. I watched this about four hours before we started recording, and I spent those four hours just sort of laying in bed staring at the ceiling because it was too much for me, and that's not because this movie was so emotionally affecting Because it was, you know, it's about some very potent ideas and and very, you know, shitty stuff. And the the way that Anna de Armas deals with the PTSD and the 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 rape and all of that sort of stuff is is well handled on her end. I don't think it's necessarily well handled on the end of the creators of the story. It's very much from a male centric viewpoint the entire time. Um, but it was just one of those, what is the point of all of, why, why is Keanu (laughs) doing this to me? It started to feel personal. And it was, I know that part of it is because we're like, I'm like 50 days into social isolation and, you know, the world is falling apart around us outside of social isolation, but I'm also not getting out of the house enough to like burn off anything but this story was 
depressing without any resolution. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like harrowing without any motivation. And I feel like there's more reason for this movie to exist than Knock Knock or Ellie Parker, where I'm just like, there's no story here. Why did anyone even want to make this? There's at least some sort of story here that that I understand why someone would feel compelled to tell this story. But I also don't feel like they put enough heart behind it to really push it home in a way that was... Um, satisfying at all okay that's my you know 30 minute rant on this movie uh thank you for coming to my ted talk i'm always a fan you know standing ovation for the the whitney ted talks you know yeah, man. whitney's thoughts and feelings corner it's popular <laughs> because we still gotta make that stinger mm-hmm. i'm going to echo a lot of what you said but I'd like I, ever the optimist. Let me focus on like the good parts of this movie before mm-hmm. I get into what. Real really, quick, have you yeah. seen the fall? The fall with Lee Pace. You know, I don't believe I have. Oh my god, you need to because this okay. movie could have been the fall if they cut out everything that had to do with cops. <laughs> well, that sounds. Something had to go from this movie, and yeah. I couldn't decide what it was, but I, you know, I have some thoughts. The, the Fall is great. Everybody, it's hard to find, but watch The Fall. If magical, if mystical realism is your thing, magical realism is your thing, if that part of this movie spoke to you, seek out and find The Fall, because it is like a rich tapestry of storytelling and mystical realism and crossing over where reality and storytelling meet, and it's very, very good, and that there were hints of that in this movie that were compelling anyway andrew now it's really time for your thoughts and not my (laughs) thoughts anymore no i've already i went ahead and added it to my list we also have uh just really quickly in the chat here zoe is telling us that perhaps we should also avoid siberia which is another one that's that's coming soon i've actually already seen siberia and I would put that towards the middle of the list comparatively. I mean, I super appreciate uh, everyone saying he's going through an interesting phase. Yeah, I definitely think the interesting phase in the midlife crisis are valid sentiments from everybody. <laughs> Obviously, we can't not watch Siberia because we've committed already to watching all the movies. <laughs> and if I made it through Ellie Parker and Knock Knock and Exposed, <laughs> then like, I'm not going to stop now. Right. This whole string right here is just a very interesting set of films that mm-hmm. were like, if you want to say that John Wick kicked off the Keanu son, I, I feel like it might have kicked it off, but it didn't reach the heights that we know until the second John Wick film. And, and then from there on, which is why it's so fascinating that the Keanu movie happened with Key and Peele before any of this other stuff. Yeah. That was kind of fortuitous timing on their part. Keanu Reeves fan creation that happened like post John Wick, but pre real Keanu sauce. <laughs> right. Just actual. They're, Key and Peel, I like to think they're just like us. Like they just love the guy to death and they have their whole lives. And they were like, we yeah. got to get him in. We got to. Okay. So the good. All right. There, there are 
despite what I'm going to say in the latter half of this, everything that comes after, you know, there are some very good parts of this movie. Yes, there are. So I preferred all of the Ana de Armas stuff, right? Particularly Mm -hmm. when it showed off family dynamics. I thought Mm -hmm. those scenes were so warm and you felt like you were kind of in the room with those people, like mm-hmm. with the FaceTime call to the the brother in, in yep. uh, Iraq or the Middle East, wherever he was, with the whole family around the computer. I thought that was beautifully done. That was a great scene. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of a throwaway thing to establish where he is when they anticipate him coming Why back. It's like an exposition. Why part of the family? Because yes. she's like... A fiance, she's not part of their family, but she lives with them. And it really explains very well how she's been taken into the fold by the family. Yeah. And it's like, it just gave you a really good sense. You're like, okay, up until that point, the movie was like, I didn't really know what to think of it. But I was like, oh, okay. Uh, This is starting to fall into place. Can I interrupt you real quick before it starts to fall out of place? No, please. Totally apropos of literally nothing, except for (laughs) that you liked that scene. Yeah. One of the most underrated rom-coms is Return to Me with David Duchovny and Minnie Driver. I'm in. I'm already sold. A bunch of people have never heard of it even. But the whole thing was written and directed by Bonnie Hunt. And the, there's this group of old people who run like a restaurant together and they've been friends for years and some of them are related and whatever. But there's this camaraderie of family that suffuses the whole movie where mm-hmm. there are whole scenes where everybody's talking over one another and you can't really clearly hear a full line that anyone is saying because they're doing it in that way that family does. That reminds yeah. me of that scene where they're all FaceTiming the brother together. If right. you're looking for a rom-com that has a feel kind of like that, watch Return to Me. I mean, it's 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 pretty saccharine, but so much of it, it's one of my favorite rom-coms, uh, even though it's very saccharine, because it's so, it gives you such a warm feeling of family and being part of the, you know, story and understanding why people are where they are, just like the family stuff in this. Jody agrees Jody, with me, by yeah, the way. I saw, yeah, Jody's, she's, she's on your side. <laughs> yeah. All right, I've added it to the list. Mm-hmm. I, I note them all down. So The Fall, Return to Me. Two mm-hmm. probably very different movies, but I'll... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Report back. I have all of the time in the world. Okay. <laughs> okay, uh, now get into the rest of your <laughs> points. <laughs> no, it's good. That, this that, is not that a is, David Duchovny good. podcast. That, oh, 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 add it to the list. Oh. <laughs> add it to the list. <laughs> all right. When Zoe says Moonstruck with Cher is the same. As far as, like, family realism and camaraderie. I've never seen Moonstruck, so I cannot confirm yeah, nor deny. S- yeah. All right. But that's good to know. Mm-hmm. See, I save all that. I like all this stuff. Get recommendations for good stuff. Okay. Although I've heard good things about Moonstruck, like, five times in the past two weeks. So clearly I need to see Moonstruck. <laughs> the universe is telling me I need to see Moonstruck. All right. I'll get that on Plex. That'll be fine. Then we mm-hmm. can partake. I don't illegally download things. I want everyone to know. I, neither, neither do I. I just... No. I, no. <laughs> so... 
We got way off topic. Sorry, I keep interrupting you. <laughs> Finish your thoughts, Andrew. I'm sorry for steamrolling you. No, it's totally fine. It's totally fine. I, I like I love a good tangent. So uh, other good stuff about this movie, echoing again what you said, I think the color grades they chose are really mm-hmm. cool for this movie, especially when she sees what we are to believe to be angels, right? It's mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. It'll even transition from a cool scene to a warm scene. Well, that's that's so interesting that you say that because now that I'm thinking about it in that regard, when you think of like, I don't know, um, Gilmore Girls is the first thing that comes to head Mm-hmm. Comes to my mind, but what was the one, uh, the Keanu one where she had cancer? Uh, the the rom com with, with Charlize. Yeah, the, um, that gosh. one's all in sort of warm autumnal shades, even though it takes place. Yeah, slightly November, before sweet autumn. November. Sweet November. There you go. Sweet November. Yeah. Gilmore Girls. That sort of super warm, comfy feeling, mm-hmm. rich shades. But there's also the super cool shades, and they don't do the thing where the like orange is contrasting. It's all cool. It's all yeah. grays and blues when they do it. But then occasionally you see this angel with the bright white or the bright red or the black yeah. that does not in any way fit in with any of the color schemes that are going on. The 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 like mood boards of this movie as far as colors go are a bunch of stereotypes laced together in a way you don't normally see. Yes, yeah. It's interesting. I not necessarily like a not, not an example. I, just from this, from a technical point of view, that that was also handled really well in the Netflix show Thirteen Reasons Why, and the transition they would use there would be from a flashback to present day, and it would be the same exact shot, and they would just change the color grade, and that was their signal to you, like we're now in present day, and it's a. I love when cinematographers and editors and everyone involved in post-production can work their magic to convey something that might not have been captured uh, during the production. Right. I, I, I like that kind of stuff. And I think it was done. It was, it was done really well here as well. Mm-hmm. I think there were parts of this movie that did an, an amazing job of creating claustrophobia for better or worse. Like yes, Tunnels there is an impending hallways. sense of doom and yes. narrowness consistently in yeah. the cinematography, in the sound design. Sometimes that's the only good thing about the editing is that like zooming into a tunnel feeling. Yeah. And for sure. That so right out of the basically from the jump, you are there's a scene in a very long tunnel and it makes you feel very like uh, there's dread. Like I, I like the pit of my well, stomach. They set so it like, up. They set it up. Yeah. Her brother-in-law is, or brother-in-law to be is walking her to a subway in New York. And if you've ever mm-hmm. been in a subway station in New York, you know that it was very true to life. How long the solo walk is yeah. to get to the platform. And if it's late at night, you might be the only one on the platform but they did a very good job of taking that up to the next level of making it feel super claustrophobic. There's definitely a sense of danger. And the whole movie has that sort of sense of danger with every decision that every character makes and everything that goes forward. It feels tense and it feels like things are closing in. And I definitely think that you're right in that that's very expertly done. Like it's very artistic. Yeah. 
in this film. That that leads me to my uh my my next point, which you did a great job of also explaining, is like the mood, the overall feeling, like the moods of this movie are really are really well conveyed, right? Like mm-hmm. if you were to just look at a, a still from this movie, like you pick a scene and uh, there, you know, no, like a still, sh- like a screenshot, right? You could look mm-hmm. at a screenshot of certain scenes of this movie and know exactly the mood and the feeling of what was going on in the mm-hmm. scene. So all of that, all of that was good. I will also say that for whatever reason, this is the second movie where we've seen Keanu eat a cupcake and I still don't <laughs> get his method. I don't get it. I, I file that under good, him eating a cupcake, but... That's it. I That's, mean, and you're I, not even attracted to him, so you don't even have right. the full appreciation of him eating a cupcake. <laughs> right. I don't. Uh, but it is. It is. Nevertheless, it is interesting to behold. So I can't say that I. I was like, you know, I was transfixed, as it were. That's. That's really the extent of the the good that I have to say about this movie. I have a mm-hmm. couple middling things, and I, I wonder if you would agree with me on this one. There are a lot, this movie is, for me, this movie is all tropes, right? 100%. I think that's part of why they were able to so expertly give you the mood of the scenes and whatever is because they played on tropes. Yes. To the point where it was like, they were able to tell you the mood that you should feel and what the characters were feeling because they used, they went by the book. (laughs) Well, yeah, they they referenced the manual. They're like, oh, okay, okay, got it, got it. I thought for me, the tropes for the cop parts did not work. I didn't. No, nope, not at all. I couldn't follow any of the shit. Like, why was the like? I couldn't follow anything. Nope. That was seemingly important about all of the detective work. So the tropes for the cop because part, they didn't actually know what was important. Yes, exactly. Keanu had no motivation. The like captain had no motivation. They couldn't focus on. There was no assertive, this is what's important. So the f- story, even if you cut it out by itself, would not have made sense. Right. It was no- there was nothing. It was, ver- it was not good. Not good. Yeah. The, the tropes for the family stuff surprisingly worked really well for me. I don't know what, I don't, so the tropes on both sides, like if you cut this movie in half and you say it's half cop story, half family story. Tropes, uh, tropes across the board. The cop stuff was, it did not land at all for me. Most mm-hmm. of the family stuff did for me. And, uh, and I thought that was very, like, the, the closeness, the, 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 they had, like, sermons, kind of, in their, in their mm-hmm. home. I, I, lo- I loved all of that. All that to say is, I'm not really sure what the point of this movie was. Like... I couldn't tell you definitively, like, beginning, middle, end. The point of this movie is that raping people is bad. (laughs) But it's from the perspective of a male who I believe, and I can't say this for certain, obviously, I don't know anything, who has never been raped. Almost So there's a disconnect... There's a disconnect in why this story is being told and how it is being told that doesn't work. 
There's a ton of PTSD that goes along with sexual assault. There's a ton of bullshit that goes along with sexual assault. There's a ton of people not getting what's coming to them when it comes to persecuting and prosecuting sexual assault. Like, there's so much stuff. There's so many reasons to tell a story about people who sexually assault people are bad. Like, that's a fair story. (laughs) Yes. But there's no viewpoint on this to say why they're saying this. Yeah. I don't assume to know this the the writer director's background at all, but from a pacing perspective it's very jarring, right? Mhm. Mhm. From an exposition uh perspective, sometimes it's good and then other times it's and extremely Sometimes it doesn't rough. track. Yeah. Yeah, like there's a there's a literal line in this movie where it's after the after the his partner's funeral a cop comes out to Keanu puts his hand on his shoulder and literally says the words first your wife and then your partner and it's like is the <laughs> is there a way to get those that, that that across without saying the exact thing that happened to him like we've seen it done For in sure. other movies For right? sure like, For sure like oh man you've had a rough year or <laughs> you yes, know Yes you could I, I, it, it is, it's unbelievable it, to me. Too Some much of it loss is, for one person would be a great yeah. line. There's a lot of ways to, to say it that's not, shit, man, your wife and your partner are dead. <laughs> right. Dunzo, like, six feet under, pushing daisies. It's like, okay, d- guy, cool it. <laughs> you gotta like, yeah, there's gotta be a better way than just stating two facts. I don't, I don't understand. I, I mean, and that happens... Quite a number of times throughout this film, especially when Mm -hmm. you're trying to track everybody that he is trying to narrow down as a suspect. You're like, we keep repeating the same thing. Like, he is gone. That guy's dead. This guy's dead. Like, oh my gosh. So story-wise, it's like, here, just in case we couldn't communicate it otherwise, let's just tell you what's happening so so you know. Um. The mood overall of this film for me was pretty oppressively sad, right? Like not e- before we even get oh, to Oh yeah, the second that someone's too tired to be in the club Miami, there's a sense of a sadness. Like right. before anything bad happens, it starts out with someone being sad and not partying with her friends in a club. Yes. It's like, And it really only goes oof. downhill from there as far as sadness goes. Now I have two other I have two other things. And then we'll we'll get into we'll get into something that should hopefully brighten the mood. I, I mm-hmm. hope. Hopefully. This is the this is an un as you said, this is an unreliable narrator story. Because mm-hmm. everything that we see from her viewpoint, the whole movie, is not actually what happens. Yeah. And People can be of two minds about the unreliable narrator thing. And I, I think a lot of that goes right back to Fight Club, right? So, like, it depends on what your takeaway from Fight Club was, to, uh-huh. if you like an unreliable narrator or not, right? I tend to be a person who enjoys that. I also like an unreliable narrator. Yeah. I do. I do also like it. And I feel like we're coming from different viewpoints as far as, like, Fight Club goes. Here's the, here, here it is, though, right? The unreliable narrator thing, you have to thread the needle so expertly 
that it that the payoff is worth the 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 ruse that you right. that has right. You had to have set everything up in such a way that you're like, oh, that was beautiful or brilliant or you know that is what that is what is required. And this movie at that at even the most basic level fails to to thread that needle. There was no artistry in in like follow through in in clues left or right. or like like continuity of story. There's a lot of artistry in other parts of this movie, but there was no yes. artistry as far as like ooh there's a twist. It's like it's like six sense Shyamalan versus like that lady that lives in the swimming pool Shyamalan. <laughs> Yeah, I, yes, it is very much that Lady in the Water. Uh, not a very good film. I agree. Uh, I, we have seen, I have seen, I don't want to project. I have seen excellent examples of unreliable narrators in pop culture very recently. Two of mm-hmm. which are, are, so one just ended as of recording yesterday, uh, the season, Westworld, does an excellent job. Of, of the unreliable narrator tale. Mm-hmm. Another one is Mr. Robot. And I, I don't want to say that there is a lot in common with this film and Mr. Robot, but there's, there might be more than you think. And I'll leave it okay. at that. I haven't seen enough Mr. Robot to be able to say yes or no. I watched probably the first half of season one. Mm-hmm. And I liked everything that I saw, but I just sort of fell off. Yeah. Can we talk when you're done? I'm going to let you wrap up your thoughts. But I want to talk. I want to brag about Westworld and me predicting story stuff. Once you're done with that, <laughs> yes. All right, good. I'm glad that I, I'm glad that you're also a fan and you're following along. Okay. Uh, the only other thing I'll say is that, and this is more of just like a general ask, as we have been kind of like bombarded with not great Keanu movies. Do you know how some people listen to podcasts at like 1.5 or double speed? Yes. I've got to figure out a way to watch films at like 1.5 or double speed because man, this movie would have been so much better if I could have watched it at 1.5. <laughs> right, not enough to like when, change the voices when, too much, but just yeah, enough. <laughs> yeah, when the tags are talking about not only is this dark and disturbing and depressing, but also it's boring and, and too long and, and slow. God, it really is, and I think that all has to come down to the fact that that. Between the story writers and the editors, nothing joins up. Even if you separate the two storylines, the the separate storylines don't follow through and join up well. So, like, there's there's constant jarring editing that breaks the flow of the story on either end separately and definitely on both ends together. And I feel like it just doesn't work because of that. I'm I'm right in I'm right on board with you. We're like, what is this? a movie that is worse than Knock Knock or Generation Um or Ellie Parker. I, you know, I, I haven't decided where I'm actually going to put it yet. I, I haven't it, decided where I'm going to put this yet either. I do want to interrupt just to say that when we are talking about watching this movie at 1.5 or 2 times speed, Zoe says just turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> right off. Oh, Zoe, Zoe, you're so right, except for we have to or else we wouldn't be here to talk about it. Yes. The the thing is, 
if we weren't doing this, like I have <laughs> Jody just said that we are committed Keanu historians. <laughs> Perfect. Please endorse me on LinkedIn if you've been following along. It's uh, you would be the fifth or sixth person to endorse me for Keanu. So yeah, historian. in our in our quest for educational completionism. <laughs> We cannot yeah. turn it off even when we would. If we could turn things off, I would not have gotten halfway through Knock Knock. I turn off movies all the time. Yeah, I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, if this is not my bag, I'm turning it off. Like, I don't got time to be wait like two exactly. hours. Exactly. I know? have never been a victim of the sunk cost fallacy where, like, <laughs> I've I spent see it X amount of time, which means I have to see it through or else my time is wasted. I'm like, no, the second I feel like you're wasting my time, I'm done. I'm out. I can't yeah. watch this anymore because it's not worth my time. There's so much stuff to see and there's so much art out there. And there, I haven't finished a book since I started podcasting three years ago. So, like, <laughs> I got shit to do. I do not need to be yeah. watching things I don't want to be watching. Except... When I have a podcast that involves watching things. Right, exactly, exactly. There there have been, for you and I both, there have been movies that we came on and we're like, I just, I really wanted to turn this. The last time I committed suicide, I was like, 30 minutes in, I was like, I hate this dude. I want it to end. Mm -hmm. I don't want to watch whatever this guy, you know, we all have those mm -hmm. films. Regardless, nonetheless. We're doing it for you, gang. Every right. listener out there, we did this so you don't have to. <laughs> but Zoe's not not wrong. If no, it's so bad you want to speed it up to 1.5 or two s times the, the speed, just stop watching. <laughs> just stop watching and then find someone like us, some sucker who will watch it for you and tell you what to think and feel yeah. about it. A lot of technical things, very good. Everything story-wise, not, not good. And that is, it's, it's crazy how much of a factor that, that, can be. I mean, I, I guess it's not crazy, but it, it's like you're you're watching the film and you're like, technically, everything. It sounds good. It looks good. It's in focus, like, which you'd be surprised. We've seen movies that aren't in focus, <laughs> like you know. It's like it checks every box from like down it this column. Great. Yeah, and it then did. and the performance, like Anna de Armas, is is great. She mm -hmm. it was she was very weird to see her in Knock Knock. It's a little weird to see her in this, but that, she goes on to do other great stuff. She's in Blade Runner. She's well, and I think it's a huge contrast between Knock Knock and this. Like these happen right. so sequentially, and it's so weird to see how much emotional weight she can pull in this movie compared to the movie before this. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, she is a powerhouse in this in terms of. Just a look on her face can change, and it's yeah. Mm -hmm. you're like, Whoa, got it. Yeah. Uh, I think we got it. I, you know, this was uh, cathartic, but in a different way from knock knock. <laughs> in a different way from knock knock, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Okay, now that we're done, before we bring Charles in, I just want to say with Westworld. Okay. This is this is one of the proudest moments of my life. So season Perfect. one of Westworld. Spoiler alert. Skip ahead like. 30 seconds to a minute, and then we'll get right into Pop Quiz Asshole. But uh -huh. I knew by season, by episode two, uh -huh. that Bernard was a robot. And I 
I went around to everyone who was watching Westworld and I was like, this dude that you think is the reliable narrator of this show, that he's the voice of reason. Uh-huh. He's a robot too. <laughs> and everyone is like, the fuck he is. Get out of like, here. No. Where did you get that? Why do you think that? And then I had a list of reasons why I thought it. And what it comes down to, guys, is that I'm a story genius. And I say that to <laughs> my boyfriend almost every time we watch a movie together because I know what what is leading to what because I know film and I know story. But um, yeah. but they, they tipped their hand and they gave clues if you are a person who who's paying attention to the the overall story tropes. And not just what's happening on screen. But anyway, for like three weeks, I was like, guys, this guy's a robot. And everyone was like, no, he's not. I was in chat room saying he's a robot. And they were like, hell no. I was in work saying this guy's a robot. And they were like, absolutely not. And then he was a robot. And it was the best day of my life. <laughs> You're like, it can't be. He's working with Tony Hopkins. There's no way. Zoe, I'm, I'm only talking about season one. Yeah, this is only season one. And Don't worry about season two. Yeah. Zoe's saying that she hasn't finished season two of Westworld. This is in season one. Right. So don't worry about it. I'm not spoiling anything future. This is I just the you. first season. I That's, just felt like the smartest person alive. It, it was good. You beat Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan at their own game. So Yeah, I did. Kudos. Suck it, <laughs> Lisa and Jonathan. Suck it, Nolan. <laughs> Uh, I think it might be time to for a pick me up. Does that feel yeah, appropriate? Yeah, let's let's get this show on the road. We've, you know, we've had fifty seven <laughs> minutes of show not on the road. Let's get the show yeah. on the road. It is time. Bob Quiz asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose. I don't lose. She got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Oh my goodness. Pop quiz assholes, our very own quizzo show where the host asks each of us three questions. If one of us gets it wrong, the other has a chance to steal. There will be no third steal this week. It, we just have to hope that we get it right. Otherwise, a Honestly? point goes into the void where Charles is. All credit due to all of our lovely guest hosts who have been able to steal things just because they're the only things left on the board. <laughs> but I prefer it when it's just the two of us. As far as pop quiz asshole, just because it doesn't feel like we've all failed and then someone won by default. <laughs> right. I like Although, having a guest host every other time. Just yeah. when it comes to like, three people and three clues and someone can get it right just because uh -huh. they were listening. Uh, <laughs> that feels less of a win. But anyway. Those are, it's funny though when it's, it goes the other way and they weren't listening, Eric Smith. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Numbers. How dare, how dare. As you know, uh, the points are not cumulative and only determine who wins the episode. So let's go ahead and bring out our master of ceremonies, Charles Nolan. Hello, everybody. Hey, Charles. 
Thank you for having me. I was getting very sleepy in my void. <laughs> because of this film or just for other reasons? Just for other reasons. There's not a lot to do. It's a void. <laughs> All right. All right. It's, uh, it's only two of us today, Charles. So, you know, take it away. All yes, right. What, we, what have we got for us? We've got trivia questions. I thought All you right. would know that. Charles. <laughs> Zoe says hello. Hello, Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bring on the trivia. All right. Question number one to Whitney. Yes. How many people are credited as producers for this movie? Is it 32, 43, or 54? Holy oh my God. shit. That is what? outrageous. Whatever the answer is. 32. That's correct. What? 32 people? <laughs> you know what? If they all had a say in this film, it's, that's that what happened. That might be why we got to where we got to. There's a yeah. lot that went into the production of this movie that really made it into the movie that it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's so yeah. Many producers, I can't even fathom working on that set. That's a nightmare. That gives me a headache just thinking about 32 people telling me that they're the boss and what we, I need to do. Right. I can't do that. He told, she told me to, but you're telling me. Okay. No. Our boy Keanu was one of the producers and is obviously the only one you need to listen to. <laughs> <laughs> right. What did Keanu say? That's what we need. If man of Tai Chi proved to anything to me, it's that listen to Keanu when he's in a, you know, backstage behind the scenes role. Accurate. <laughs> Love it. Question number two, Andrew. All right. The opening shot of the movie transitions from Ana de Armas weirdly staring at the screen to a woman gyrating in a dress. <laughs> what color is the dress? Oh, no. Was it red, yellow, or green? Yikes. Uh, I'm just going to say red? That is incorrect. Damn it. I'm going to say green. That is correct. Yep. Green is go. We were, green we is were, go. No, we were in a cool segment when we first see her. She's in the club, which is all cool colors. Interesting. Okay. That's yeah, that the only sense. reason that I said green. Not because I knew it was green, but because I knew that everything was like blues at the time. Well done. For your chance to get even further ahead, Whitney. <laughs> yes. How long was Manuel in jail for? Was it three years, ten years, or twelve years? Three years? That is correct. Nicely done. He he seemed too young to be in there for any longer. <laughs> ten and yeah. twelve years, I was like, isn't the kid like 20-something? Young 20s? He couldn't yeah. have been in there for ten years. He would have been gone to jail when he was like, 11. Something, Yoga. something justice system. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not go there, Charles. Let's just move on to the next question. Uh -huh. Andrew. 
What is Lieutenant Galway's son named? Oh boy. Stevie, Chrissy, or Louie? Uh. Stevie. That is incorrect. <laughs> Chrissy is, is the answer. That is correct. <laughs> Perfect. I specifically remember it being a stereotypically female name on a, on a boy, like on a son. Well, Whitney. Yes. You know what you are, Scotty? A, you're a joke. B, you're pathetic. Or C, you're weak. Pathetic. That is correct. <laughs> All right. Uh-huh. Andrew. It has not gone unnoticed that it's a clean sweep so far. To try to get <laughs> on the board. <laughs> I beat you to it. I realize. Which actor was originally slated to play Detective Galban before a scheduling conflict forced him to drop out, leaving an opening for our boy Keanu? Oh, boy. Was it A, Kevin Costner, B, Val Kilmer, or C, Philip Seymour Hoffman? Uh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. That's, um, that's a well-crafted uh, question and answers, Charles. Thank you. Uh, I, just because he plays like tortured really well, I would love to. I would love for it to be Philip Seymour Hoffman. That was a statement. Was that also your answer? <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> I, I would love that. It's Philip Seymour Hoffman. That is correct. You're on the board. Yes. Wow. I I, I quit. I, I quit would. While I'm ahead. I would have guessed Kevin Bacon. So there you go. Kevin Bacon wasn't even one of the options. <laughs> Costner. 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 Well, there you go. There you go. That's how much I pay attention. I have already admitted to the the live chat that I am a little bit tipsy. (laughs) So. All right. Well, if you're about to tip over, please write yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Here we go. Whitney. The stuffed horse, Isabel, has different colored hooves. Red, yellow, (laughs) blue, and green. What color is its front right hoof? Is it red, blue, green, or yellow? Green. That is incorrect. Okay. Uh. Andrew, you don't even have to say steal this time. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Perfect, because it's just a game of absolute chance. Um, I'm going to stick to my guns, and I'm going to say red again. It was red. That is correct. <gasps> Whoa! <laughs> okay. So it's a comeback. No, it's not. All right. Andrew. Here we go. G. Malik Linton requested to have his name changed from the director credit. Why was this? Most of the movie was directed by assistants. The movie editing was done without his approval, or he felt uncomfortable having both writing and directing credits. 
Weird. Uh, All of those are weird. Yeah. I am go This is this is weird to say. I'm going to say that the editing he did not approve of the editing. Maybe this was a better movie or a different movie. He didn't approve of the editing. That is all correct. Yes! Nice. <laughs> the okay. studio expected the movie to be a Keanu Reeves cop thriller, but when the movie focused more on Anna de Armas, they edited that around. Poorly. Very, very poorly. Isn't that exactly what Zoe said? Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Also, Zoe told me not to smell my, spill my drink, and I said I can't because I drank all my drink, and that's why I'm tipsy. And then Zoe did the crying laughing emoji. So Zoe's right on point today. Brilliant. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. <laughs> For the final question of regulation. All right. Whitney. Yes. Anna de Armas was not slated to play Isabel originally. Which mm. Fast and the Furious actress was supposed to play the what? role? Whoa. Was it A, Michelle Rodriguez, B, Jordana Brewster, or C, Natalie Kelly? I'm going to say Jordana Brewster. That is incorrect. Mm. No way. <laughs> All right. I gotta go with Michelle Rodriguez. I love her so much. That is incorrect. God damn it. Natalie Kelly. Natalie Kelly. Natalie. Who, uh, who was she in the Fast and Furious movies? I don't know. Keanu Reeves was not in those. But she was in Fast and the Furious 3, Tokyo Drift. Ah, yes. The most divisive of all the... Of all the is it the most divisive? I don't know. I just say that every time it comes up. <laughs> I say that... I it mean, it might be baseless. because it's totally separate from everything else, but four is the worst, and I've gotten some pushback on that. Yeah, from what I understand, two and four are not very good films. That's, I mean, I've seen them all. Oh, two's a lot of people. Good. All right, two's fun. Two's fun if you like sort of like Cuban Miami kind of stuff. Four is <laughs> terrible. Anyway. And now we move on to the bonus round. Oh, boy. <laughs> you know the rules. Buzz in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Question number one. This was the second time that this movie went through pre-production. A month before principal photography started, the original production fell through. In what year? Was it 2004, 2009, or 2014? Me. Whoa. Whitney. 2009? That is correct. Yikes! Holy smacks! That's a lot what of a, years, guys. That is a lot. <laughs> oh my god. Holy smacks is the right response. <laughs> <laughs> Give him half a point for that. <laughs> I need all the points. Andrew I get. gets <laughs> half a point. <laughs> <laughs> I hope this determines the game. It won't, but it would be so funny. It will if not, I but it would be it amazing is if it did. Yeah. Impossible for it to determine the game. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Bonus question number two. What percent of this movie is in Spanish? 50, 60, or 70? Andrew. 60. That is incorrect. 
Damn it. Me. Whitney. 70? That is correct. Nicely done. Oh, my gosh. A lot of this movie is in Spanish. 70% yeah. of it. <laughs> but I know that because the copy that Andrew has on his Plex didn't have any subtitles, and so I had to go finding it on Voodoo and watch it with commercials. By the way, Frito-Lay cares very much about people and not about pandemics, in case anyone was wondering. Are we in this together? I, I, we I are was, all I was in unclear. this together. People are okay. way more important than chips. Something, but, something but, new normal. But keep buying <laughs> chips. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And the final question of Pop Quiz Asshole. All right, I'm ready. The young girl who played Elisa, Venus Ariel, has only one other IMDb credit, and it's a crime show. Which crime show? Oh, no. Is it A, Law & Order True Crime, B, CSI Cyber, or C, NCIS New Orleans? Uh... Me. Whitney. NCIS New Orleans. That is correct. Unbelievable. Whoa. Especially considering I've never seen any episode of any NCIS from anywhere. That is impressive. I kind of thought that that was like a made up show. I didn't even, <laughs> I didn't three even know of those that that are was real shows. They are all real shows. <laughs> I was waiting for SVU because I just w thought it would be very upsetting, but also apropos if the only two credits this girl had were being assaulted. <laughs> I thought about putting that, but figured it would be too depressing. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh, uh -huh. uh, yep. All right. And that brings us the final score with a score of eight to three and a half. <laughs> Your pop quiz asshole winner is Whitney. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Three and a half, baby. Almost. Almost. <laughs> you are right on my tail, Andrew. <laughs> You almost had half of Whitney's score. <laughs> I love it. And this brings us to Pop Quiz Audience. Oh boy. Very exciting. Last week's Pop Quiz Audience had three questions and zero winners. <laughs> Those who tweeted indicated that they did not want to watch the movie again. To see the answers. <laughs> uh -huh. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah. I applaud all of you for not watching that movie. It was in protest. I also approve. I like it. I will quickly run through the questions and answers from last week. How long will it take the Uber driver to arrive when Evan calls for one? 45, 45 minutes. minutes. Nice. By what nickname does Karen call Evan over text when she is worried about him? Papa Bear. Ew, gross. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't remember that. Ugh. The greatest moment of the movie. According to his Facebook page, what is Evan's DJ name? Oh, I don't know, but I, I'm excited. I've been waiting for this for a week. Go ahead. DJ Evan Webmaster. 
No. That's so bad. It's my firm belief that Eli Roth thought of it and figured it was the best thing he'd ever imagined. (laughs) Yeah, that feels right. That feels right. And now it is time for this week's Pop Quiz audience. There are two questions this week. Question number one. At several points in the movie, we see posters, bags, or pictures of an eye, usually tied into seeing the quote-unquote angels. What is the phrase that we see along with those pictures? Oh. Mm-hmm. And question mm-hmm. number mm-hmm. two. Mm-hmm. Who pissed in Keanu's cornflakes before every single take? <laughs> Most creative answer wins for that one. <laughs> okay. Charles, getting spicy. I like some creative liberties here. This yeah. is great. Please. Well, audience... Tweet your answers to me at the Nolan T H E N O W L I N or hashtag Pop Quiz Audience, and you'll be called out next week. Okay. <laughs> uh, Zoe uh, in the live chat has an answer that's a really good answer, but I'm not going to say it because you have to tweet it at Charles Nolan. <laughs> Uh, but Zoe, I like your answer the best. So I cannot it- wait to read it on my Twitter screen. <laughs> Charles, is it safe to assume that multiple people can guess the second question correctly? Multiple people can guess the second question correctly. I love it. All right. Several points have been set aside to award anyone who answers that question. Well, thus far, Zoe's response is the winner. Fantastic. In my right. opinion, I am not the game master, so. All right. Good Lord. Good Lord. Well. Charles, this was this was kind of exactly what I think Whitney and I both needed after this Indeed. film. So, so thank you for for bringing the mood back up. You are very welcome. Uh, I suppose you'll go back to the void now, and and I I can't wait to to hear the answers and and speak with you again next week. I am very excited to come back next week and see some of these answers. <laughs> Okay. I'm going to go nap in my void now. I hope you all have a wonderful evening. All right. You you too, Charles. <laughs> you, you too. You know, we never know when, he, when, when Charles leaves. We never know. It's, I am leaving yeah, now. It, <laughs> 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 That's funny. You know what we need is the... The AIM door close sound, you know, when you, know, I when love you that. sign off yeah. of AIM. The yeah. But I kind of like not mean. knowing if he's still there or not. Like, yeah. Fading it's, into the background and being like, is Charles still here? Is he not right. still here? I kind of ne- like we'll the mystery. Know. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's a mysterious mystery. Yeah. So we just, we just got to get through this next part just for the, it's the structure of the show. We need to. I'm going to read mm-hmm. from the Wikipedia as we get into the plot points of this film. It's pretty, you know, again, content warning. If you're just joining us, there's some very disturbing-ish stuff that uh, happens at the end of this here. So here we go. Yeah, let's just burn through it. 
Just straight reading, no color commentary. Not like nope. not like nope. my like, poetic John Wick uh, <laughs> coverage. If you have a, what's it called? A metronome? Let's just get that going at a fast pace and you just read to it. <laughs> All right. Just like click, 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 click. Eight, eight click, times click, signature. Click, Here click, we go. Click. A police officer, Detective Galbin, investigates the circumstances behind the death of his partner, Detective Joey Cullen. He's always Joey. It's always a Joey. The mysterious case leads to an attempt at police cover-up and a dangerous secret involving an unlikely young woman, which is literally the plot synopsis. I, just, I don't know. I guess they just got that from the director, probably. Mm -hmm. Two parallel storylines initially appear to have little in common, but as events gradually unfold, the two separate urban worlds, the young woman, Isabella de la Cruz, appears to somehow be involved in the detective's demise. I disagree with that. That they ever really? Mm, yeah, that's cross. not ever indicated in any way. Uh, right. I think that that's a Wikipedia editor taking liberties. <laughs> I were gonna also say uh, good night to Zoe. She has uh, drunk her drink. <laughs> so good night, <laughs> Zoe. Thanks for hanging. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Detective Cullen was depraved and corrupted. His colleagues feared that the investigation into his death will bring these facts to light. The results would include both bad press for the police department and the potential loss of the pension for his family. I only believe that they were in, in, interested in that first part, the bad press. The fear is based on the fact that one of the prime suspects in the case is an ex-convict who had allegedly been sexually molested with a broomstick by Detective Cullen, a fact that they chose to bring up quite a few times like throughout a, the film. So many times. That's what I'm saying when I talk about like assault, sexual assault and rape being a yes. constant and preeminent topic of discussion in this movie. It happens so much. And not that rape happens so much, but talking about assault happens yeah. so much in this movie. Just... Yes, just in general, kind of, yeah, just thrown out. It's, yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, in Isabel's private world, Isabel befriends, that's an interesting turn of phrase, private world. Mm -hmm. uh, Isabel befriends a young girl named Elisa. Isabel suspects that Elisa is being abused at home by her father. She also believes that the strange beings she has begun seeing on the streets are angels. We see a couple of those Whitney alluded to. There's a man who was seemingly able to hover and float above uh, train tracks. There is a woman dressed in a very kind of elaborate gown situation. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the production of those was, was pretty well done, I think. If you like the production of those, you definitely got to watch The Fall. All right. It's on the, all right. You'll see it. You'll see it on Plex too. <laughs> when Elisa says that Isabel's father has hurt her, it triggers a sudden reaction in Isabel's mind of sexual abuse from her father many years ago. All of Isabel's buried memories are suddenly released in an avalanche of images. In truth, it turns out that Isabel's angels are a fabrication of her own mind. She created them to accompany a fictional narrative that would replace the unbearably traumatic memories of being raped by Detective Cullen on the subway platform the night that her visions began. She further suppressed the memory of catching him off guard afterwards and killing him in a fit of righteous rage. We're talking like last three minutes of the film 
that is how mm-hmm. fa- like I mean we yeah, don't literally get any we of have that. jumped to the last of three minutes of the film with yeah, this storyline. Unbelievable. So in response to the memories and to Elisa's crying, Isabel kills her own father in order to protect Elisa. Detective Galbin is then sent to the scene of the murder. When Galbin looks at an old photograph of Isabel's family, it is revealed that Elisa is also a fabrication of Isabel's mind. It's it's her. It's she's just projecting, literally projecting herself out into the world. In the end, Elisa disappears as Isabel is in church praying for the strength to accept everything that has happened. Uh I mean, boy. That is, that's it. I mean, that's it in a nutshell, but over an hour and 50 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot. There is a lot that could have been removed from this. You all, I I always wonder when I hear about that, like what Charles had brought up, like the director or the director didn't like what the edit had become. Mm -hmm. It's always like I, it, it had to have been something different. And maybe better, but at least something different from what we got. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't trust anyone enough when some when the end product is poor to have that much insight. You know, like a director has control over it, not ultimate control, but enough control to not be like releasing something they hate. At the very least, they make. A statement about I don't like this. This wasn't my intention. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm d- don't yeah. Don't get it wrong. I'm not trying to be all hashtag release the Snyder cut here. I'm not. I don't. I I will. I would not watch this again. Even if they're like here, here it is. Finally, the director's vision. I'd be like, it's still not worth it. Even if it was a thousand times better, it still <laughs> no doesn't not, not worth. Doesn't need to be seen. So. You know, I've already marked this down as not recommending this film. Correct. I think that's a safe assumption. I, I will say this. So, so far, just this season, Street Kings, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Generation Um, Knock Knock, now this. No yeah, recommendations from anybody. It's, it's been rough. Uh, you know, it's retroactively, hard out here, guys. I'd like to... Yeah, retroactively, I'd like to recommend Street Kings. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I wouldn't. Re- I, I wouldn't. But geez, it certainly I mean, feels that way. Some of this stuff is definitely better in retrospect, but that's only by virtue of having seen way worse stuff that makes me angry. So, so given that, where are you going to? Have you thought a little bit about where you're going to put this in the current Keanu ranking? I have. I've already ranked it. I know exactly oh, where it goes. It goes at number 44 between Sweet November and Me and Will. Sweet November. Okay. Yeah, that is eight spots above bottom of the barrel. (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like that's pretty, uh, between like the very bottom, we've got Exposed and then Me and Will, Prince of Pennsylvania, Feeling Minnesota, One Step Away, Last Time I Committed Suicide, Ellie Parker, Generation Um, Knock Knock. I feel like that's really solid. I don't want to watch this again, but I also feel like of the bottom of the barrel, I would watch this again the most. 
because I think there were elements of it that were well constructed. I don't think it's a story that I need to have any part of again. Yeah, I am going to be uh, slightly less generous with it. Although I feel like it's, I feel like for me this is a good fit. I'm probably I'm going to slot this at number forty nine. These three films at the bottom for me, the last time I committed suicide. Wait, I'm numb. sorry. I'm sorry. I have a problem. <laughs> I knew you would. I knew Andrew it. Gormley Look, here, I, I can, would I rather can watch. No, there is no explanation that I will accept. None. <laughs> Andrew Gormley would rather watch Ellie Parker again than uh-huh. watch Exposed. And our friendship is now over. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't. I here's the deal. It it makes a lot of sense to me, right? This is all. This is what it comes down to for me. At least I we've said this a lot. At least I know what Ellie wanted, right? I, I just give me some something, you know, anything that floats when you're drowning, right? I I Ellie was like she wants to be an actress. Got it. Hmm. There is a motivation there that I was able to. And again, we, I, have, I have expressed my fondness of, of Naomi Watts in previous episodes. I, I, we, won't, we won't rehash it. However, I just, uh, <laughs> I don't know. You know, and we have a reckoning coming up, but I, I do feel solid about th- these. Here's what I can say, right? <laughs> these are definitely my bottom five films. Subject to change, but these are definitely, as of right now, I hope to God we do not have another one that falls in this this far down again Mm -hmm. but i feel like these are going to be my my bottom five Mm -hmm. so uh yeah i i I feel good about that i will say i do have to sort of revisit i mean i have a memory like a colander i smoked too many (laughs) drugs out of aluminum foil or something i guess i don't remember anything i didn't actually do that but i did you know for humor's sake let's just say i did Mm-hmm. But I don't remember enough about me and Will and feeling Minnesota in one step away to be able to really definitively say whether exposed is better or worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like if I go back and think about it and reread the synopsis and whatever, this may change with a um, this may change with some some reflection and some, you know, uh, reminding myself of what these movies were because I, I tend to block out things I don't enjoy. Um, but I can guarantee you Exposed will never, ever, ever be below Ellie Parker. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. I ha- I have a feeling that you liked feeling Minnesota more than this movie. I think I did too. I think so too. I think that may change in the reckoning because I do think I liked feeling Minnesota more, even though it was not a good movie. I do think that there was stuff about it that I liked more than this. I don't know about me and Will. I think me and Will and the Prince of Pennsylvania, we are one for one on. We have them <laughs> yeah. both at forty five and forty six. Yeah. So I think those are pretty pretty much there. I may change exposed down to like feeling Minnesota and move feeling Minnesota up. Either yeah. way, bottom. <laughs> it will never be worse than Ellie Parker, <laughs> Generation Um or Knock Knock, and I take it as a personal insult <laughs> that you rank it above Ellie Parker. All right, I feel like I was probably the or below maybe the Ellie most Parker, positive, the most positive 
of the three of us when we when we watched that film. But for sure, not positive, but just the least <laughs> the least negative. <laughs> so. I mean, I'm I'm never I've never slandered a movie as hard as I've slandered Ellie mm-hmm. Parker. So, and yet here we are with two films below it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard to mm-hmm. it's hard it's to know what Keanu's going to throw at us next. <laughs> I will tell you that Exposed for all the PS, PTSD and rape and incoherent storylines was better than Ellie Parker. Yeah, you might be uh, right. And, and I might I'm switch. Pretty sure that's factual and not just opinion. We reserve the right. That's why. That's why pencils have erasers. You know. I, yeah, I'm just that is it in why here. we. That is why we do the reckoning. <laughs> right. We're like, oh boy, some of these movies are going to change drastically. I think just based I done on- really wanged it up in some of these, <laughs> and I gotta fix it now. Right. That is in, uh, if I had to take a guess, one, two, three, four, about five, five episodes, five more episodes, and then we have our, our reckoning. So we're, we're in good shape. Uh, Jody actually said that the director, re- he did release the, his cut on Vimeo, and it was like a whole thing. I don't know. I mean, probably Listen, not unless the director's consent. paying me directly to watch his recut, I will never, ever subject myself to experiencing more of this film. Declan Dale slash G. Malik Linton. If you yeah. hear this episode. G. Malik Linton, if you want to pay me like $200, I'll watch your cut. We will re-review this movie. That's enough for like a really good grocery trip and maybe some booze. And then, okay, oh, yeah. yes. If I can have like right. a really nice dinner... And, you know, some cocktails, uh, then I'll watch your Vimeo cut. But otherwise, this is what you get. That feels fair. That feels fair. All right. That's it. That's it. it. We're done. We're out of here. No recommends. uh, No recommends. Are, you know, mostly mostly not good. So Not as bad as Knock Knock, but don't go see it anyway. (laughs) Right. So next week, oh my gosh, what a turn. What a turn. Whitney will be stepping us through a film called mm-hmm. <laughs> Aptly Keanu. Keanu. <laughs> have you seen this, Whitney? I have not seen this. All right. But you like Key and Peel. I do like Key and Peel. I feel like they have the same problem as most comedians that do sketches where they don't know how to get out of a sketch or when to get out of a sketch. But that's <laughs> yeah. just kind of the problem with sketch comedy. Uh, I think Key and Peel are both geniuses in their own rights. Um, and obviously, a lot of great stuff has come out of them aside from just Key and Peel. So, yeah. What careers they have both had so far and mm-hmm. continue to have. It's, it's wonderful to see. I mean, at this point, anything that Jordan Peele wants to sell me, I will give him money for. <laughs> right. That, I feel very similarly. <laughs> I was like, yeah. look, uh-huh. you're going to you're going to remake Candyman, a, a movie that perhaps traumatized me as a child that mm-hmm. I can't remember, even though I did see it. And I've, it's a it's buried. Mm-hmm. OK, I guess I'll go see Candyman. Let's go. Uh, I mean, the, what's the new thing? The Cthulhu thing, the... Who's the guy who wrote all the Cthulhu stuff? Yeah, everyone's going to give me shit for not knowing this. Everyone, I mean, I know it. Shit. 
I know it. I've even listened to the Fiddler on the Roof spoof of Cthulhu stuff called Shogoth on the Roof. Like, I know what it is, but what it, Lovecraft. <laughs> Lovecraft, yeah. Lovecraft. Yeah. I knew it. I knew I knew it. I've just <laughs> had too much Kahasha. Um, Eric, Eric Hall is going to skewer us. It's, no, uh, it's, I, I know it. And okay. he knows I know it. Eric right. Hall knows I know H.P. Lovecraft. Anyway. All right. Lovecraft, the whole thing with Lovecraft is that it doesn't translate well to film because all of the horrible, is like, all the horror is in the unknowable. Mm. So as soon as you start showing it, it's knowable and no longer the horror that Lovecraft intended. But sure. because Jordan Peele is involved, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to give it a go. <laughs> Let's go. Also, I love that H.P. Lovecraft was a terrible racist and Jordan Peele is making stuff about H.P. Lovecraft. I feel like <laughs> if I trust anyone to make racial commentary about yeah. anything, I trust Jordan Peele to make racial commentary about anything. He's, so. uh, he's got the brain for it. I will say uh, I have seen Keanu. I think it is delightful. If you liked Key and Peele, the show, the sketch show, mm-hmm. I think you're in for a, a real treat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the at, icing on the top is is Keanu. At least it's not going to be heavy like Knock Knock or this movie were. At the very no. least, it's going to be like a lighthearted thing, which, geez, Louise, I could use right now. It's been too many days of self-isolation, and I am just mentally fragile, so please <laughs> no more movies like Exposed or Knock Knock. Just a right. little break of Keanu is great for me. Just a little key and peel, just a little silliness. There are a lot of familiar faces in it too. So yeah. it's, it's a good time. I'm, I'm excited for it. it would, it's actually a perfect palate cleanse for the past two films we've watched. It's, yeah. it's nice. So, all right. I very much looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. that. That brings us to the end. Live chat. Jody, Zoe. I know Zoe's already gone. Jody, mm-hmm. thanks for hanging with us. Yeah. Everyone else, join in the join in the live chats if you if you can if you're around. I mean, most people are around because we're all in quarantine. Right. But if you're free, it's a good time, and we get a little silly in the chat. Same for <laughs> Netflix live watches; we get a little silly there too. It's a good yeah. good stuff. Yeah, I don't I don't want to be insensitive, but what are you what are you doing? You're not. What do you got going on? You could be here. What with us. is more than important than us? Is the question. <laughs> Exactly. I didn't want to. And I mean, if you can give us documentation about what is more important than us, then I will accept your absence. But otherwise, I anticipate your uh, (laughs) presence in a live chat or a Netflix viewing. Be yeah, just you know, be there. We got to be there for each. We're all in this together. We we get a lot of emails, (laughs) so apparently we are. Uh, Until next week, or the watch (laughs) party, or whatever comes next, Whitney. Whatever's next. Where are you on the internet? By the way, Zoe and Jody and I have all decided to be tipsy on the next one, whatever the next one is. So be prepared for that. Get some, you know, Bud Light Lime (laughs) or get some, you know, whatever's your your flavor. I have a weird cocktail that I made out of hibiscus and raspberry and kahasha. So whatever your poison, we've all agreed on the next one to to get a little silly. All right. I think we'll line up well with the movie we're watching. Perfect. 
You can find me on the internet at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter. And I recommend you search me out there because I have links to all my other podcasts, but my other podcasts, Historical Hotties. Um, We're moving to probably a uh, bi-weekly just for the summer between Lindsay working in a gelato shop, which is going to pick up over the summer and has not closed with the pandemic, um, and me being just the hottest of messes during the pandemic and needing more time for researching history stuff. I think we're moving to biweekly, but the next one that we're doing is nurses. We're going to talk about the hottest nurses in history. So that's coming up. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Uh, There'll be some surprises. There may be some mainstays that you think of when you think of nurses. There's not too many names that stick out. We'll see. Uh, But yeah, historical hotties. Uh, I just recently was on Almost Better Than Silence, where I talked about video games and everyone else talked about Animal Crossing. (laughs) And uh, that's it. Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter. You can find all of that good stuff there. All right. Sounds good. You can find me on the internet at Dark Driving. I think a lot of you probably uh, his project's going gangbusters. So if you haven't if you haven't jumped on that boat, jump on it. Yeah, I think a lot of you probably hooked me up. I, I haven't. I mean, I, I've seen. I, I don't check the emails and everything like that. But it has done much better than I ever anticipated. Today, as of recording this, we're at May fourth. So for May the 4th, I released some free icons that are all Star Wars themed for the nerds out there. So you just go get those if you want. Uh, it's a little, the first taste is free, as it were. And then maybe mm. check oh. out my... <laughs> I see, get... there's a more sinister plot involved. <laughs> right. If you're like, ah, hey, I love these colors, these folders, are great. it's a great way to organize stuff. Can we, can we get the whole thing? Uh, but that's great. So at Dark Driving, uh, Twitter, Instagram, those are the places to find me. As always. Hit up Whitney or I at, you know, at Cool Breeze Pod at Whitney underscore Nelson on Twitter. We love getting the Keanu news throughout the week. Good yes. stories. Lots of fun. Lots from Jody. Lots from Zoe. Spread the love. Yeah. Get in there in the, in the elite club. You know, <laughs> there's, there's room with Zoe and Jody to be like BFFs with us and the podcast <laughs> And yes. you got to take advantage of it before there is no more room for BFFs. For <laughs> all. There's so. only so much BFFing that we can do. <laughs> I like it. I like it. That's it. We did it. Whitney, thanks. Mm-hmm. This, again, another favor feels like here. I'm going to cue this up. Good Lord. Jody, thanks for hanging. Zoe, thanks for hanging. And thank you all for listening. Everyone else, come hang too. Yes, do it! And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Be as cool as Zoe and Jody and come hang out with us. <laughs> The end. That's it. And that, that, scene. That's a. Those are better stories than the movies we just watched, right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Most things okay. are better stories than the movie we just watched, though. Oh, it hurts to say it, but it's true. <laughs>